Eight Network and 30 Minutes of Hell talking the Arkansas Razorbacks hoops in this very, very difficult 2021 season. Everyone's had some challenges, but I feel, I think that Coach Muss and the Hogs have done what they needed to do. You got to remember this team, they took care of business in the non-conference, actually undefeated. Then they began the conference schedule with the most difficult schedule of any teams in the conference. When you're talking about playing against Alabama, LSU, Missouri, Tennessee, that is a tough slate. So they had some up and downs, had some injuries. Uh, got Justin Smith back, who's so key because he can score the ball. He's big, thick, strong. He can rebound. He can guard multiple positions. He's back and healthy. So now you look at almost mid-February, this is where you tr you're putting it together for that last couple of weeks charge into the tournament. And I, I look at everybody that seems somewhat healthy. Guys seem to be on the same page. Coach Muss, who does an excellent job of breaking down exactly what our game plan is and giving it to these guys. One of the things that Coach Muss does so well is his communication. And we've seen how he's been able to communicate in a very unique way. Word association. If he wants his team to deliver a certain, if he's delivering a certain message, my man will dress up in a, in a UPS outfit and deliver that message just to make sure that image sticks with this team. So as we go now to the middle of February, it's a grind. It is a grind mentally, physically. This is where you push, push through. Uh, so the Hogs right now, solid in the NCAA tournament, fighting to obviously get a better seed hopefully can get up to maybe even the eight seed into, into the tournament. Uh, but it's going to be crucial how they finish because you don't want to limp towards the end of the season. You want to be, you, you don't want to be at a full edge sprint right now, but you're building up playing to playing your best basketball right there at the end of February. So what coach must've been able to do with bringing this team together. And, 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 um, and we saw how they can rebound take care of the ball. People thought that we were going to be a, a, a high volume three point shooting team. Cause that's what they did in the non-conference. But guess what? That's what the defense gave us. What we've shown now uh, from that standpoint is that's an, the hogs are an aggressive team taking to the rim. They're right now top three in free throws attempted in the sec. That's high percentage shots. They get to the rim. They challenge the defense so they can beat you in multitude of ways. And they've got versatile defensive guys as well. Um, and I want to talk today, though, on 30 minutes of hell to the all-time leading scorer. Could shoot it, put it on the floor, talk about getting to the free throw line. That's my man Todd Day is going to join me on 30 minutes of hell. Welcome into the field of a 68 network with my guy. Arkansas Razorbacks leading scorer Todd Day TD. Welcome to 30 Minutes of Hell. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hopefully it won't be that bad. So what's up, man? Uh, you're coaching at Philander Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, get us up to speed on what you guys have, have gone through for the last few months and, and where everything stands. Man, it's been crazy. Uh, of course, you know, the COVID uh, situation is concerned. We had a lot of cancellations and... Uh, things like that. Um, we had to shorten our league. We have a 12 game league schedule. We had to shorten it down to six. Mm. Um, so we just finished that. We ended up uh, fourth place. 
So uh, we'll start our tournament on uh, February 24th. Where are you guys playing that at? Uh, actually, the first round is remote. The hired team uh, plays at home. So we'll be playing uh, Dillard University on the road. Mm -hmm. We win that game, then we go to uh, Jacksonville, Florida for the Final Four. So that's so this we're going to be, I guess, in the midst here in the next couple of weeks, figuring out what conferences should do for the conference tournament. Mm -hmm. And you guys, I like that. You do that the first game there, and then once you get down to the Final Four, that's where you bring everybody down. Has there been other discussions on how to do it? Was there an opportunity, or did you guys say, let's just bring everybody down and, and, and let's do it there? Were, were there multiple? Yeah, we usually bring everybody um, to the tournament just so, you know, everybody have a chance to experience the tournament atmosphere. Right. Uh, this year with the COVID situation, like it'll be a lot easier uh, just to play you know, uh, shorten the season and play one of the, the first round of, of remote and then just let the final four teams uh, take that trip to Florida. So right there in Little Rock, Philander Smith, what's, um, what, what have you been able to do with building up that team? What, have you been able to get back into Memphis, get some of your guys from Memphis? I know obviously Arkansas high school basketball is as good as it's ever been right now. It is. And, it and I know you've benefited from that, too. Where, where, where have you been able to build up your program from? Well, when I first started, um, you know, I tapped into Memphis real heavy because, you know, that's what I was familiar with. Um, uh, right now, I think I have four guys from Memphis, three from Chicago, uh, two from Dallas, and two from the Arkansas area. So it's pretty much spread around. Um, I kind of recruit by word of mouth. I really don't get out there as much uh, as I should. Um, but with my basketball connections, the guys know what I'm looking for, my style of play, and usually they'll send me some players um, that I can choose from that match my style of play. Yeah, especially going back to Memphis. You played Hamilton, Hamilton High School. Yes, sir. And you played for your father there, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what that, that high school basketball in Memphis at that time, uh, it was just seemed like guys were coming out every year, a couple of guys every year. And of course, Memphis at the time was Memphis State, but University of Memphis was about as good as program anywhere in the country. What was Memphis high school hoops like back then? Man, it was great. Very competitive. Um, I think back when I played, we have we had a lot of older coaches, mm. sticklers to certain things who made you learn how to use both hands and um, no matter how good you were, they coached you tough. And uh, I think now, you know, we got a lot of younger guys who aren't getting on the guys um, as much as they should, especially the guys that are great or supposed to be great. They kind of let them, you know, get away with a few things that, you know, the older coaches back in the day, you know, Pat, they wouldn't let us get away with. Right. That's funny. I was talking to Coach Richardson about how when, when he got guys into college, there were things that, that he felt like that they should already know. Like, I got to teach you how to rebound. I got to teach yep. you how to pass. Yep. Or even I got to teach you how to shoot. It's yep. like, <laughs> I mean, to your point, those are things where you, you, you want your players to have learned that. And some guys are late developers, so maybe it's in high school. They, they're exposed to a coach that teaches them some of those fundamentals. Uh, and why, why do you think sometimes that is? I know everybody wants to get on with AAU culture, which it's, it's tough not to look at it and say that that may not be part of it. But 
just knowing where you came from, what you're doing now, have you thought about how it's kind of gotten away from that? Yeah, I think it's more of, I think it goes back to the, everybody's working out. You know, everybody wants to do a workout. <laughs> In the day, we just play ball. You know, when we right. get to the gym, we pick us five, we play five on five, and when we get home, we we figure out what it is. You know, why couldn't I get around Pat Bradley? You know, why did he always shave me going left? Is it because I couldn't use my left? So, you know, as a player, that would make me get in the gym and work on my left hand. And, you know, my dad, when we did ball handling dribble, uh, drills, everybody did it, centers, forwards. Right. Everybody was able to use both hands and put the ball on the floor, the fundamentals of basketball, footwork, things like that. I think now everybody's working on Euro steps, you know, all the special technique moves. But in order for you to be a good player, you have to be fundamentally sound before you can even get to that point. That, you know, it, it's funny. First of all, you never had any problems getting around me, T.D. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was going to say, the greatest thing about what you're talking about, the pickup games, like I learned so much from these pickup games. Even when you would come back to Fayetteville in the summer and play pickup with us, you, it, you learn as a player really quick. Dang. Not only did, did I not get chosen to play on the first game of pickup right. <laughs> but every time i go out there we're losing so you just there's, there's a there's a thing where you you have to go in, be in the fire to learn those things in a sense yeah. um i do believe in that and in, in, in letting players learn those and understand those now be careful though because i'm doing some training so i don't want you to hurt any of my no i mean it's great to train <laughs> but you, you gotta know what you're training for you know if i right. try to play you know, eight to 10 pickup games against some of the best guys in my age division, then I'll know what it is. I need to call Coach Bradley and say, I need to work on this or we need to work on that. Right. Also be able to watch me as a trainer to see what it is that I'm not good at that I need to work on. So you come to Arkansas. Mm -hmm. This is right when Coach Richardson takes a job, late 80s. Obviously, you build up your name and reputation in Memphis, and Memphis is known as as good as a basketball city as anywhere in the country, despite what anybody says. And he approaches you. Or oh, how does the relationship with Coach Rich, how does how do you get out of the grasp of Memphis State and you and Penny not teaming up in the backcourt? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think um, Scott Edgar and Mike Anderson, they had a, a lot to do with that. Um, you know, they stayed in Memphis, was at all my games, all my practices. You know, that's back when they didn't have a – you know, a certain amount of hours of time that you could be around a player. And so, you know, they just became part of our family as a, as a Hamilton athlete. And they were always there. And uh, I think what attracted me was the style of play. You know, Memphis was a great program. They just didn't play the up-tempo style that I was accustomed to playing. Mm. Um, like, my, you know, my high school, we averaged 90-plus points a game uh, in high school in 88. So... You know, we got up and down, and we, we shot a lot of threes back in the day. And we just uh, – I just thought Arkansas was more conducive to the way that I played. All right, so, Todd, when, when I'm getting ready for this, right, I write down about, like, 20, 20 things I want to get through, and I try to take from, you know, from you, mm -hmm. your beginnings, you know, all the way to uh, when you were hooking me up with tickets when you're playing for the Celtics, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to wait to get to this, but you brought it up. I don't know if you just saw Kevin Garnett had some comments about 20 years ago, he, he couldn't play in the NBA or guys 20 years ago. I mean, excuse me, 20 years, uh, guys from 20 years ago couldn't play. Just too friendly. 
Well, well, the thing, but Todd, the, the, the running, executing, shooting the three, scoring 90, 95. I challenge anybody, you go back and look at your games. Your mm -hmm. game, first of all, I think your, I guess it was the 90 team maybe, or the 91 team. I mean, that's arguably the best team that's ever played there. You know, not, not taking away from Corey, Scotty, Corliss, 94 gotcha. national yeah, champions. We had the most talented team ever in 1991. But yep. watching, watching your teams, even a simple pass was unbelievable to watch. Everything was, but you guys could play. You could pass, you could dribble, you could shoot. What, what am I missing? Or what's everyone else missing by thinking the game is, is like so completely different now when the game has always been about getting the ball in the hoop? Yeah, I think it's more of camaraderie, man. You know, by the time when I was a junior or senior, I had played so much ball with these guys that, you know, we could just feel each other in our sleep. You know, now you're getting a great player, they're one and done. You know, uh, if you notice, the only really good player that, are, that go one and done, they also have another one and done with them to make a tournament run. Right. Now, yeah. now can take a one run, one and done and make a run. So. <laughs> I think it was the camaraderie, you know, I mean, teams, Duke, UNLV, uh, Arkansas, these guys had perennial all-stars every year, professionals who played together for three and four years, who were able to know each other's game. And, you know, you just, once you become, you know, that once you become around a person that long, become friends, you start playing for them. Right. For yourself. So I, we take a 20 year old Todd Day, nicknamed All Day because he can give it to you all day long. That's Let's right. say you take the 20 year old Todd Day, you play a college basketball season because a lot of you know 20 year olds will play uh, in college. And then I want, how would you perform today, a 20 year old Todd Day, your style of basketball in college basketball, and then how your game translate to the NBA? I'll be the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> That's right. Very easy. I mean, now it's more offensive. Uh, scoring the ball. Um, there's guys my size who are playing point two. Um, you know, I just look at the guy Caleb from Oklahoma State. Mm, Cunningham, yeah. Size, he's a bucket getter. I mean, this kid can play. So, um, you know, I just think, you know, like I tell, I was just born. I was just born too early. <laughs> See, one one of the things too that that you do. Uh, that we got a kid on the Razorbacks roster now, Moses Moody, freshman, six foot five. You mastered the art of getting to the free throw line. I just had never seen anybody be able to understand whether it was create enough contact to to still get your shot off, to still and and you value that. And Moses is pretty pretty good at it. That's he He's pretty. This started as a young age, um, my 10th grade year, especially in high school, you know, I was real thin, but I, you know, I had a great toughness about me when I played the game of basketball. And, you know, my dad would always tell me, just use that against, you, you know, they know you're small. So just go in there like a wrecking ball. And every time they touch you, you'll fall on the floor, you'll get free throws. <laughs> kind of went from there. And, you know, uh, from my 10th grade year to my 11th grade year, my average went up 10 points. Mm. because of the free throws and uh you know i can remember playing against a guy in high school um who always complained about you know how many free throws i shot when we played them like it was just a big thing that i always stayed at the free throw line and i made that a part of my game 
Um, you know, your shot's not always going to fall, but I guarantee you I can always make free throws. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, highest percentage shot, right? When, when, exactly. uh, other than dunks and layups, I mean, uncontested dunks and layups. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. you're a guy that uh, I'm assuming was up in the 80s, if not 90, throughout your career. Well, actually, I shot high 70s in college, man. I, I don't know what really? was going on. I, I think Coach ran us too much. I was probably <laughs> – Hey, speak. Yeah, I, I really, that's one part of my college game that I really regret is not being a 85 to 90% free throw shooter, um, you know. Now my career is over. I was pretty much known as a shooter, so I always wanted to make sure that my numbers were high and they weren't from the free throw line, and that was kind of disappointing as a player. Yeah, well, when you look at it over the course of a 30 game, and that's the time you guys are playing 35 games because you're going deep into the tournament every single mm -hmm. year, and you know you tack on an extra three, four points a game. That's you know, I mean, you would you're leading scorer in Razorbacks history. You might have hit three thousand. You never, <laughs> you never know. Yeah, without suspensions and being, <laughs> young, but I probably could have made it to three thousand. Uh, you mentioned <clears throat> coaching his workouts, or what? You know, what do you, what? How are your workouts different now? You're a college basketball coach. Mm -hmm. You have been obviously coached on the professional level, high school level, now college basketball. How are the workouts? In 1990, in Fayetteville with Coach Richardson, with no weights, people don't understand. We had a water ball. Remember the water ball? Yep. They would pump a regular basketball full of water, and you would you would, you would run the three-man weave with it, and you just be all, I mean, we used water ball, weight ball, jump ropes, and, yep. and that was our workouts. How's, yeah, how's it changed since now what you do? Or do you take man, it it's, that? It's changed you? a lot, um, especially, uh, you know, it went from – that area we had um, to the next 15 to 15, 10 to 15 years where they just wanted pure strength, pure weights. Mm -hmm. um, now we're with the flexi balls and the, and the spandex right. uh, weights and things like that. But I always tried to be uh, workout specific. You know, I think a lot of times what frustrated me about being um, with Coach Richardson was we just did a lot of the same things all the time things that I was already good at, that I wanted to move on. And we never really got a chance to move on as a player. And so I, I try to make my workouts uh, player specific. You know, mm -hmm. if you're good at one thing, then I want to try to make sure that you're good at something else instead of continuously um, sticking with one thing. And I think that kind of hurt me as a player because guys always wanted to shoot with me. Okay. And that was something that I didn't want to work on. Like I knew I could shoot. Let's, I wanted to work on something else and try to be more well-rounded instead of uh, just trying to be a specialist. I think I could have stayed in the league longer if I just would have been a specialist, you know. Right. Come in and knock down shots and not have to worry about rebounding, playing defense and, and uh, you know, guarding the best player and things like that. But I grew up as trying to be an all-around player, so it was hard for me to accept being a specialist. It's funny you say that. I, I used to get – upset i mean to hear you say that it makes me it makes me feel like crazy because i used to hate when people called me a specialist and it wasn't any more specialist than me no we right. won't be doing it it's just crazy how basketball players think so. let me let me ask you this because when you so i grew up in a lot of i guess you you're you're you hit the college basketball scene right when espn's getting you know mm -hmm. uh, broadcasting all these games dickie v's at all these games 
And so you, you this is late 80s. The excitement is there. The TV is there. Uh, and you, you play number one UNLV. You get into the SEC. People don't realize Alabama's top 20. LSU, Shaq's top 20. Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, obviously. Florida had a good team. So what, what was going back and thinking about playing in Barnhill? Did you, did you feel that hype? nationally oh, around what you yes. guys were doing? Yeah, we did. Um, by the time we became the end of our sophomore season, we made it to the final four. We were just tired of people saying, you know, the conference is weak, we don't play anybody, you know, that kind of thing. We knew that we could compete with anybody. We just wanted to be put on that stage. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we dominated the South. We, we, we swept through Texas. Um, just anywhere that was down south, we just swept through them. And, uh, you know, we were so excited to get in the SEC my senior year. I mean, we just didn't know what to do. We were just so excited to be able to play guys like Robert Ory, Shaq, Sprewell, Jamal Mashburn, you know, all these great players that we knew and seen at all the basketball camps, but were not able to play them. We always talked stuff about what Arkansas would do when we played these teams. But, you know, being from the small south, we never had a chance. So um, my era, my guys, we feel like that, you know, we didn't put Arkansas on the map, but we put them back on the map. <laughs> That's, well, that, that final four, what, what, what do you remember from the final four that you guys won? And you probably, I mean, you know how one and done tournaments are in March Madness. Uh, obviously, I remember being up, you know, seven to eight points with 10 minutes left and not finishing the game. Mm. That's really the only thing that I can remember, you know, from that game. I know I had a good game, but, you know, nobody remembers how good you play when you lose. Right. So that's the only thing that I remember is I really, really wanted to get out of that press. <laughs> really was tearing us up. And, uh, you know, no coach, he's going to stick to his guns and to the end. So you uh, – then you move on, get drafted. What, what was your funnest season you had? in the NBA? Funnest probably would be my second year uh, in the league. Um, you know, we had got uh, Big Dog Robinson. And, yeah, with Milwaukee, right. Yeah, and I was with Lee, you know, my best friend in the world. We stayed next door to each other. Man, we just had a ball, a bunch of young cats just going out and ball, just trying our best to put the city on the map. Um, even though, um, I think we came up like one or two games short of the playoffs. But that season, I can just remember how much fun we had. You know, we had all two or three-year players. We had like two veteran guys on the whole team. So it was just a bunch of young guys who just enjoyed each other on and off the court, which probably cost us a lot of games. <laughs> how, do you get, how do you get into something in Milwaukee, man? I thought it was... Man, you know, you cold, years, dark. 22 years old with millions of dollars in your bank account, man, you can find something. <laughs> There's always something happening. What was that separated Lee Mayberry? Obviously, he's greatest to 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 play the position. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would would argue, you know, want to get into discussion for a Razorbacks uniform, but what separated him and made him so great? Man, his unselfishness. Lee probably the most unselfish guy I've ever played with. Like, I mean, the guy has like seven or eight brothers, you know, he shares everything. And, you know, he has like five grandkids now. Like, he's just the most sharing guy that I've ever been around. Um, he always looks out for the next person, man. Everybody will tell you that about Lee. Um, 
And he's just a great teammate, a great friend. Um, I've never met anybody that doesn't like Lee Mayfield. Yeah. It's never about Lee. It's always about – when you're around him, he's always trying to do something. It's always about somebody else, man. And that is, like I said, his selflessness, it, it, it's impeccable. Yeah. Um, the guy could take over a ball game whenever he wanted, but he, he would always refer to myself or Ron Uri or somebody else. But the one thing about that guy, he was always there when we needed him. Like, mm. a good game, Big O was all, man, he would always step up and pull us through. And um, he was one of those guys that you always could depend on. A lot of people don't know. You tied Larry Bird's record when you were with the Celtics in 95, yep. 96. You tied Larry Bird's record. Was it 24 and one quarter? Mm -hmm. 24, I think, at 42 for the game. What do you remember about, about that game? Two things I remember. One is I was getting being guarded by a rookie named Kevin Garnett. <laughs> I torched him all night. Um, you know, when I ended up playing with Minnesota, we used to joke about that all the time. And the second thing I remember is they took me out with like almost two minutes left in the quarter. And I was, you know, kind of puzzled. They was like, man, we you can't break Larry Bird's record. <laughs> you can tie it. You can tie it, but we can't let you break it. At the time, I thought it was funny and everything, you know. But looking back on it, I thought I think it was a bunch of crap. You know? <laughs> the game, I could have put myself in a record book. But, you know, they was not having that in Boston. Somebody made the call down like, hey, he's getting close. I mean, the thing is, they were bold enough to tell me, you know, like, you're not going to break this record. Like, we're not going to let you do it. So it wasn't where well, you had enough, you played well. Resting you, it was nothing like that. It's like you're not gonna break this record. That's fine. Who's the coach then? Jimmy Rogers? ML Carr. ML Carr, man. The towel man. The towel. <laughs> ML. What do you what in that season? I obviously growing up in Boston, being a Celtics fan. I mean, it that was a strange decade, man. The night. What 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 stood out other than that game? Uh oh, by the way. You were talking a lot of trash, right? Always. <laughs> who who did you enjoy talking trash to the most? Was there any particular guy or team? Uh, man, me and Gary Payton used to go at it a lot. Uh, he was just a fun guy to talk crap to. Uh, it was hard to really talk when I got to the NBA because we were losing so much. It was hard to talk when you're losing. But um, yeah, he was a he was a good guy. It's just like man, it was a lot of guys in the NBA. The one thing about it is, when I made it, it was like I didn't stand out. You know, in college I stood out talking crap. Everybody, oh Todd Day, you're gonna talk a lot of crap. You know, when you get to the NBA, man, everybody's doing it, so you just fit right in. <laughs> just try to become the best trash talker you can become. Uh, sitting on that sideline. Did did you use, did you use to motivate yourself or to try to intimidate the other guy? Uh, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. It just depends on the circumstances. Uh, um, I think talking, people talking crap to me got me more motivated than me, you know, talking to them. Right, right. Yeah. Was there any rules? Was there anything? No rules in talking crap. No, no <laughs> rules in talking crap. No, no rules. Sometimes you can go over the line, but you just have to apologize after the game. <laughs> Untouchable. That, there's, not, there's nothing. Yeah, right. Exactly. You're gonna uh, continue to motivate yourself. Mm -hmm. um, 
So at, now you, you, you finished when you finished with the NBA, um, it was eight year career, right? Eight, eight years. Yeah. Nine years. Yeah. Not nine years total. Mm-hmm. Um, you look, you look back on that and what, what, I guess what stands out. I mean, obviously you got to feel very proud. I mean, a kid growing up in Memphis and as you put it, skinny kid, nine year mm-hmm. NBA career. That's, a lot more than anybody that, that you grew up with. Ever, ever. I mean, you and Penny were the two torchbearers, right? From from right. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a great time. It went so fast. Um, that's the thing that um, probably I look back on the most. Like it went so fast. Mm. Even though when I was finished and uh, I ended up playing with you a little bit at the Rim Rockers, I still felt like I was an NBA player that I still should be out you know, out there playing. So um, when they put me in the ground, man, I still feel like I didn't give it all that I could or all that I wanted out of the NBA game. But I'm going to make sure, you know, the game of basketball that I get all out of it that I possibly can. So it's funny. Like, so how, how many former players do you think feel that way? I mean, it's got to be 99. I would say 98%. Right, 98%. Yeah, you know, only the Tom Brady's and the Michael Jordan's Kobe's, you know, probably feel satisfied with their career, but everybody else, man, you know, it's, it's something you can never master. Um, I, I pretty much, a career is like golf, man. You just can't master it. No matter how much you play or how well you play, you just can't master it. Right. Yeah. That's just true. That's what, um, so what's up next? What's up next for you? You got any, um, Anything in the I mean, work? I would, Are you having I, summer camp this week, this this year in Little Rock? Are you? Uh, no, we're probably gonna just kind of chill. Um, to be honest with you, man, I'm just trying to do the best job I can here to get these guys uh, degreed up, um, mm-hmm. try to get on with their life. Uh, most of these guys won't play basketball after they leave college, so you know it's my job to make sure that you know that we're around the people will be able to make some money for their family. Um, but, you know, one day I love to be walking on the sideline. Um, in barn, I mean, Bud Walton to be able to be the head coach of the Razorbacks or University of Memphis or somewhere like that. So um, that's yeah. the end goal to try to be a head coach D1 somewhere that could win. Uh, I've been offered a few jobs, but I just feel like they're, they're one job where I can win. Yeah. I, it, and that's it. Is, is it tough to have patience? Because it, on one hand, you, you, you want to jump into whatever the job is that was offered, right? kick some tail. And say, okay, you know I'm ready. I told you I'm ready. <laughs> well, I think that it's easy for me right now because I'm comfortable where I am. You know, my wife, uh, I've been traveling, playing ball all over the world. You know, we were able to come back to her hometown and spend some time with her family now that we're here. And uh, I hired my son as assistant coach. Hmm. Had a baby, so I got a new grandbaby. So I'm just comfortable right now. So if any job comes, it will have to be something um, that we're all comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. TD, man, I appreciate you, man. It's good memories going back to old Rim Rockers days. Yeah, man. Every time hey, I see yeah. you on this network, man, you do a great job, man. I'm proud of you. I appreciate it. Good man, keep us on the map. <laughs> <laughs>